Amen. John chapter 8, verse 33. They answered him, read together, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. We're doing the second and concluding part of a message called Free Indeed. And here Jesus is talking and he said that, uh, you know, that you will know the truth and the truth uh, will make you free. And he follows on by saying, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen. And so uh, I, I think this is such an important uh, uh, subject. Um, and, and so freedom is something that, like I said, resonates in the hearts of people, irrespective of your age or, or your gender, your nationality or your background. Um, there, there's something on the inside of every uh, man and woman uh, that wants to be free. Amen. And uh, ultimately, that's all there are. You're either male or female. But um, uh, freedom is beautiful. It's precious. And I believe it's something that we should not take for granted because, you know, it's, it's a gift uh, from God, but it's a gift, you know, that previous generations have fought for. You know, I often reflect on the great price, um, like I said, that has been paid for uh, freedom uh, by generations that have gone before us. You know, when you think of the immense uh, cost of, of liberating Europe from fascism in World War II, you know, the price was ultimately paid in, in blood, uh, sweat, and tears. Uh, and, and, you know, to be honest, the, the courage of, of these men, uh, it, it haunts me. It's, it's something that uh, I've, I've, I feel I can't escape because I've grown up as a free man. I've enjoyed freedom, and yet that freedom was paid for uh, by others, um, many of whom didn't get to enjoy it themselves. And so, like I said, uh, I, I look at that generation. Uh, there are some who refer to them as the greatest generation ever, and um, you know I tend to agree with them. But like I said, um, you know their courage and their sacrifice it haunts me, particularly because, you know, uh, I'm part of, of such a selfish, entitled, and narcissistic generation, really, that, that, that describes um, our generation. You look, at, like I said, at, at, at those men and, and, and women, um, you know, their sense of, of duty, uh, their sense of honor, and uh, patriotism, it seems almost alien to us today, and yet, you know, they fought their way through, through Europe, um, you know, liberating uh, town after town, enduring great hardship and, and uh, you know, great uh, sacrifice and, um, you know, facing unimaginable uh, dangers along the way, many of them dying in unmarked graves and, um, you know, many of them dying far from their, their, their home and far from their loved ones. And, um, you know, freedom has a price. 
you know, you think of the price that the early Christian church uh, paid to simply gather and worship God. Um, you know, we gather here today without uh, thinking twice uh, about what we're doing. Um, and yet there are multitudes of believers who died, um, you know, for this right. You think of the, you know, the multitudes of believers who are, you know, thousands of believers who are burned on crosses um, to light Nero's garden parties. You know, the thousands of Christians who died in the, in the gladiator arenas, killed by gladiators or, or wild animals, all simply because they refused to surrender that which is sacred to that which is secular or that which is godless or pagan. Um, you know, freedom has a, a, a price. Um, you know, those men were, and, and women were killed for entertainment. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, I was in um, Sicily, and I was uh, just by one of those arenas where, where um, uh, many martyrs uh, died. But, you know, they, they died, uh, you know, providing entertainment for people who did not understand um, why they held, uh, you know, the name of Jesus sacred. And, and so, but they died, and, and as a consequence of that, we have freedom of worship today. Um, and so we shouldn't take the freedom uh, to, to gather for public worship lightly. You know, we think of, um, you know, over the last two years, many of us suffered, <coughs> excuse me, from, from isolation and, and loneliness, um, particularly if you, uh, you know, if you had COVID, um, or, or just even through the lockdowns, um, you know, many of us struggled with that, that loneliness. In some ways, it kind of gave, gave us a taste of what, of, of what prison must be like um, uh, for some people. This, this, the, you know, the fact that you're not free to, 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 to come and go as, as you desire. And, and yet we forget, you know, that Paul the Apostle was imprisoned um, for the gospel. All in all, he was in prison for approximately, or he was held in custody at least, for approximately five years of his life, finally being beheaded in Rome, um, all because um, it, he preached the gospel. You know, we think of the men and women who were burned at the stake um, for translating or even possessing a Bible. You know, the devil didn't mind uh, people having Bibles once they weren't in the language um, of the people. You know, the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly. And, um, you know, so English was the, 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 the language of the common people in uh, Great Britain. And, um, uh, you know, there were those who gave their lives for translating it. And, you know, this is the irony is that today many people can't even be bothered to bring their church, their Bible to church or even to read it during the week. And um, so again, there's no use bringing your Bible to church if you don't read it during the week, I think. So anyway, we think of the great personal sacrifices that men and women suffered in order to ensure that we would be given the scriptures today. Amen. Many of them risked their lives, like it is said, to ensure that, that, that we would have uh, the, the word of God in our hands. So, you know, I think we should be mindful of these, uh, of these facts when we hold the Bible, um, uh, because we're standing on the shoulders of spiritual giants, men and women of faith who went before us and served God in their generation. But anyway, like I said, we are standing on the shoulders of giants who went before us. You think of, um, you know, John Huss, he was a, a Czech reformer. He was burned at the stake by the Pope um, for, for criticizing the excesses and the compromise and the sin. 
and the depravity of, of that, that, that was going on in that church. John Wycliffe, his bones were dug up and burned because they couldn't go back in time and burn him. They didn't catch him, but they, they, they made a point of digging up his bones and burning him. Why? Because he, he translated the Bible and um, into the, like I said, into the language of, of the common people. A century later, you look at William Tyndale, he translated the Bible into English. And I love this quote from him. And he said, he, he wished the word, uh, he wished uh, the word would reach the eyes of all women, Scots and Irishmen, even Turks and Saracens, and especially the farm worker at the plow and the weaver at the loom. And for this terrible sin of wanting to get the Bible into the hands of ordinary people and uh, people who didn't know Jesus Christ. He was burned at the stake. Um, uh, from, no, sorry, that, that's incorrect. Firstly, he was strangled and then he was burned at the stake. And uh, so he was, he was doubly dead by the time they finished with him. But you know, ask yourself the question, what is it about this book that, that threatens the devil so much that he has consistently for thousands of years persecuted and attacked those who translated these scriptures? And, and again, I really believe as the church, we need to rediscover a love for the scriptures, an appreciation of the price that has been paid to ensure that this book has been handed into our hands today. And I don't know about you, I want to be faithful to the word of God. I want to be faithful to the call of God, you know, particularly in a generation where, where like I said, that is so narcissistic and entitled and deciding, well, uh, you know, I know the Bible says A, but I'm going to do B. Amen, because everybody else is, no? Um, I think we need, to, we need to rediscover a love for the word of God and decide that we want to walk in the light of it. And, um, but, but again, the question is, why does the devil attack those who translate the Bible? Let me tell you, um, this book holds the key to your freedom. That's why um, if, if you love the Bible, you will love freedom. And if you love freedom, you will love the Bible. Amen, because you will not stay free if you ignore this book. Amen. And so anyway, freedom, what am I saying with, with everything that I've just addressed here this morning? Freedom has a price. Freedom is not free. It has a price. It always has a price. And it's a price that Christ paid at the cross for every man, woman, and child. Amen. And this is why we must not submit to slavery. You know, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And this is the paradox, is that on one level, we are the most free generation that has ever lived before. There's no generation that has enjoyed uh, more freedom than us. Uh, we have more free time. We have more outlets for entertainment. We have more devices and conveniences that enable us to avoid uh, work or discomfort than literally any generation that has went before us. Listen, it's not too long ago that, you know, our ancestors used to have to bring their clothes down to the river and wash it. You know, just think of, of just a washing machine or a dishwasher or having running water. I mean, many of, most of us, our grandparents, when they were young, wouldn't have had running water or electricity. I certainly mine didn't down in Kerry, um, but, uh, but you know, most of this country was only electrified during the 50s, 
I mean, that's only 70 years ago. So, so just think about it. Um, like I said, we have so many, um, you know, conveniences. Um, like I said, our grandparents didn't have running water, electricity growing up. Um, you know, on, on top of that, they, they went through two world wars and all of the, the hardship and challenges and suffering that that entailed. You know, we've grown up with all sorts of conveniences that they couldn't have even imagined. And yet in spite of this, we have more people who are bound by powers of darkness than ever before, and more people enslaved by sin and Satan. You know, just this week, we, we, our, our nation was gripped by the terrible story of, of how this young lady down in Tullamore was murdered. Certainly, our, our prayers go out to, to that young woman's uh, family and, and friends who are trying to... Um, you know, deal with the, 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 the awful revelation of, of what happened um, to this lady. But, you know, in some ways, it's an indictment of the direction our society is taking. We're becoming an increasingly uh, brutal and godless um, society. And um, the actions and, and, you know, the crimes that are being perpetuated are simply, uh, you know, evidence of our drift from uh, Christian morality uh, towards, you know, this, this godless paganism where uh, many of these evils, um, uh, you know, abound. And, and, and so, I, 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 you know, there's all sorts of um, messages going out in, in, in uh, the media right now about um, misogyny and about this and that. And, and, but, but, you know, I, I, I really feel as a society we're missing the point. We're missing the point. We're, we're, so many times we want to deal with the fruit, but we don't want to deal with the root. The root is the fact is that we have, uh, we have strayed from the truth. We have strayed from God. We have strayed from, from his ways. And, and you know, as a consequence, um, uh, you know, our society is going into darkness because the further we go from Jesus, the further we go into the dark. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I mean, we, we mustn't, you know, remember the fact that, you know, the Nazis were educated. They were cultured. They were sophisticated. And yet they did the most barbaric acts possible. So, you know, we have bought into this delusion that, you know, that we're somehow uh, better than our, 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 our ancestors because we are educated and because we have all these conveniences. No. Uh, we are sinners in need of a savior. And, um, and, and, and so, like I said... Uh, uh, you know, violence against women is a terrible issue and it's a, a grievous sin and it's unfortunately something as a pastor that you have to deal with as time, at times, even in the church. But I think we're missing the point when we say the problem is men. The problem is sin. The problem is sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ is the only solution. And, and I think it's important for us to understand because, you know, governments can pass legislation and, and activists can highlight issues and the media can amplify the message. But you know what? None of them can solve the core root of this problem, um, uh, you know, of, of violence against women or, or just violence in general. I mean, you know, every, a week doesn't go by that you don't hear about stabbings in this city, young people stabbing each other. And, and, but again, the, the, the root of that problem isn't lack of opportunity or lack of education. It is sin. And nothing can set you free. Education cannot set you free from that. Wealth cannot set you free from that. 
you know, uh, you know, all sorts of, of um, you know, messages being put out there cannot change the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The NIV says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And, and, and yet, notwithstanding that, there's no shortage of, of, of psychologists and, you know, educators and politicians who, who think that they're the ones who can solve this problem. No, they can't. There is no law that can fix this problem. There is no leader that has the answer to this. Jesus Christ is the only one who can solve this. Amen. Jesus said you must be born again. The heart, the Bible says, is beyond cure. And this is why you can put a, a terrorist in prison for, for 20 years and they will still come out and kill afterwards because they were punished, but they were not transformed. You see, the gospel alone has the power to transform the human heart. And it's been doing so for the last 2,000 years. You look at all of the men and women down through the, the last two millennia who encountered Jesus. You know, whether it's Paul the Apostle, John Newton, or whoever else you want to look at. They encountered Jesus and the gospel transformed their heart where nothing else could do so. 1 Corinthians 7.21 Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who is a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. What is it about human beings that they seem to relish the opportunity to run or to ruin the lives of other people? Think about it. The very first son of Adam and Eve was Cain. And he ended up murdering his brother. I mean, it didn't even skip a generation. From the very first generation that was born, we see that murder and that violence. All the way from the very beginning. You see, it's an inescapable law like gravity. The law of sin and death. And it's that law that is working in the hearts of men. You see, children of the devil will invariably act like their father. I know that's politically incorrect when people like to say, we're all children of God. Well, not no, that's not really the case. You know, unless you've been washed in the blood, you're not a child of God. You're a child of the devil. And so John 10.10 10 says, the devil comes to rob, to, ki to kill, and to destroy. The devil is a destroyer, and therefore we shouldn't be surprised if those uh, people who are spiritually connected with him um, by default I think it's important it's I understand it's not deliberate I'm not saying somebody is a, a Satan worshiper I'm just simply saying but 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 as a consequence of their sin they're united with Satan and therefore we shouldn't be surprised if they act like their father so last week we started on the first point which is true Christ we are free from sin now free from sin doesn't mean that you never sin 
just that your sin was, was dealt with at the cross. And this is why a revelation of righteousness is an essential element of walking in the freedom that Christ purchased for us at the cross. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, and it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man um, will someone uh, die, but yet perhaps for a good person someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, love has to be demonstrated, and God demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ at the cross. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him. For if when you were enemies, you were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Thank you, Lord. So, you know, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us. And it says, much more having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So, through the cross, we are saved from wrath. We will never face the wrath of God. We will never stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will never stand before the judgment uh, the great white throne judgment because Christ bore your judgment at the cross. Yes, we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ, but the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for reward, not a judgment of salvation. And this is why we don't have to be afraid. And um, Romans chapter 6 and verse 18, and it says, And having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. Do you know that you've been set free from sin? Hallelujah. 2,000 years ago, God fixed your sin. Um, so a revelation of righteousness is absolutely essential, amen, for those who want to walk free from their prison of sin and shame. And you know, there are many people, like I said, who live in a prison of sin and shame or bondage or addiction or whatever else. But you know, Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign as kings in life by one man, Jesus Christ. And so, you know, it's important for us to understand it's righteousness that enables us to reign. Amen? It's righteousness that enables us to walk with confidence before God. Because sin and shame are traveling companions. One feeds off the other. Okay? And so this is why when you sin, you have shame. When you have shame, you end up sinning even more. And that's just because you say, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as long as you see yourself as a sinner, that's the way you will behave. And, and, and so, but, but you know, the, the, the beautiful thing that we see is the true Christ. The Bible says there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so... Again, Jesus bore our condemnation on the cross. There's no condemnation for those who call on Christ. The prison doors have been opened, but you need to walk out. And so today, at the end of the service, I believe we're going to have a, a walking out in Jesus' name. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, and it says, um, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, what are things in earth and things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were enemy, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, 
Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. So the Bible says that uh, you were enemies, you were alienated from God, yet God reconciled you, that he made peace through the blood of his cross, and that he has reconciled you through his death, and it says to present you. So this is how God sees you, because some of you say, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, I'm just a, a worthless worm. This is how God sees you, holy and blameless and above approach in his sight. Think about that, that's how God sees you. But Pastor John, you don't know what I did, you don't know where I've been, I don't, and I don't want to know. Hallelujah, just bring it to the Lord. <laughs> I have enough problems of my own. <laughs> Amen. How about we just bring it to the cross? <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> Some pastors like to sit through that. I, I don't. No, I just, you, you just take it to the Lord. <laughs> In prayer, as the song goes. Amen. Colossians 2, verse 13. You are holy. You are blameless. You are above reproach in his sight. Verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him. Having forgiven you, how many? Oh, just say it. All trespasses. He's forgiven you all trespasses. And it says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. In what? In the cross. Christ triumphed over sin in the cross. And true faith in Christ, we can triumph as well. Amen? And so uh, Hebrews 8 and verse 12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And what God has forgiven, we must forget. Because if God has forgiven it, it no longer exists. God doesn't want us to live as captives to the past. Because again, we're new creatures in Christ. And yes, some of us still have habits and bondages and associations from the old life. But we need to allow God's spirit to work in us and bring us to freedom. Colossians 3.5 Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. So again, if you have some area of idolatry in your life, you need to repent of it and lay it at the feet of Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.21, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for any good work. Amen. So there's God's part, but there's also our part. There are some things that we have to put away. Don't be waiting on God to deal with it. You need to deal with it yourself. You need to bring it to the cross. 1 Peter 2.16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. I've seen some people who've embraced this kind of, you know, hyper-grace um, uh, mentality that it doesn't matter what I do or how I live, you know, it's grace. Grace uh, allows me to to do whatever, you know, grace isn't an, enable, an, an enablement to sin. It's not a get out of uh, jail free card. Uh, grace empowers you to live holy. 
Amen? If you understand grace, then you will live a holy life. You're not going to be indulging your flesh and living in an immoral way. But you might say, but pastor, I still struggle. Well, so do I. Join the club. I mean, I, I think all of us struggle um, uh, between firstly understanding uh, you know, what God says about us, and then sometimes looking at how, at times, we don't meet the mark. But you know, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Amen. But you know what? Psalm 118 and verse 5 shares the secret to freedom. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. If you will call on the Lord, he will set you free in whatever area you may be struggling today. I know you may have some issues going on. You may have some problems or some, some you know, uh, uh, habits that, that you seem to, you know, to struggle to overcome. But you know what? If you will call on the Lord, I believe he will set you free. Amen. Believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough even for you. Amen. Romans 8 and verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. And so the, the law of sin and death, it, like I said, it's like gravity. It's inescapable. And yet there's a higher law, and, and that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so Romans 8 and verse 21, it says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, through Christ in his cross, I am free. I can face life. And I can even face death with confidence and without fear. Why? I know I'm free from sin. I know today I can say I'm free from sin. It doesn't mean that at times I don't sin. You know, ask my wife, you know. Um, it's amazing uh, how, how when you get tired, you can get a little cranky. You know, uh, my wife was a little cranky yesterday. I'm just trying to make the point. Um, <laughs> But you know, it, it, it really is. It's, it's amazing how quickly you can get into the flesh when you're tired. And uh, another time when you overlook something, you're just... <laughs> Anybody ever had that? And I know none of you have ever had that. Okay, but, but you know, it's, it's amazing. But you know, true Christ, we're free from sin. Um, do I sin? Yes. Am I a sinner? No. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And so are you. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.19, For God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is who you are. That is what you are. And you need to believe that. And you need to stop listening to the devil condemning you and telling you you're a worthless, good for nothing. Uh, nobody loves you. You're never going to be free, etc., etc. He's a liar and the father of lies. You know, Philippians 3 and verse 9, and it says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is true faith in Christ, the righteousness which is um, uh, from God by faith. You see, there's a righteousness that is by faith. Amen? And it's not based on your performance. Um, yes, we, want, we all want to do our best for Jesus. But you know what? On our best day, we don't meet the mark. Let's be honest. And so the Bible says there's a righteousness that isn't from the law, that isn't from our performance, that it's by faith in Jesus Christ. You see, I possess the righteousness of God by faith, not by virtue, not by performance. Amen? And, and when I sin... 1 John 1.9 tells me what to do. It says, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, again, this is the thing. Uh, the Bible tells us, confess your sin and receive forgiveness. Because, again, we were judged and we were found guilty at the cross, but Jesus bore our judgment at Calvary. And now I am free, and you are too, if you will simply believe it. So, true Christ... We are free from sin, and very quickly, I'm just going to deal with the, the last two points. Um, uh, true Christ, uh, we are free from Satan, amen? How many of you are glad that we're free from Satan, that we don't have to be fearful? We don't have to be, um, if you look at, at pagan religions, pagan religions in, in, in essence, um, uh, you know, so many times, um, they're, they're focused on, on the devil, it's, it's a consciousness of devils. Um, but you know what? As Christians, we're not meant to be conscious of devils. I mean, sometimes people are, oh, I, I sense darkness here. You know, I, uh, you know this, ooh, do you feel that? You know, and, and sometimes Christians can get very spooky. And um, I don't know about you. I'm not conscious of devils. I'm conscious of angels. I'm conscious of God's favor. I'm conscious of God's love. I'm conscious of his presence that's with me. Amen. You know, we need to, you know, it's a bit like a radio. Uh, you know, you tune into whatever you want to tune into, but I don't know about you. I want to tune into heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So, again, uh, we believe that we're free from Satan. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. And it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So, you know, when somebody mocks Christ or mocks your faith, you know, you shouldn't get angry, you shouldn't get bitter. You need to feel sorry for them and you need to pray for them. Because the Bible says that if they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Christ, um, you know, they don't honor his name, it's because Satan has blinded their eyes. It doesn't mean physically blinded, but spiritually. Paul said, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So God wants to open the eyes of our spirit uh, to what God has for us. And that's why it says, uh, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The King James talks about the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And so... True Adam's sin, you can learn a lot by reading the first three chapters of Genesis. True Adam's sin, Satan literally became the God of this world. So we need to quit blaming God for everything that happens. Because, you know, while the world refers to disasters and calamities as acts of God, I worked for many years in an insurance company and, uh, they, you know, they, they, there's this thing where they'll refer to something as an act of God. But, um, you know, the world will refer to these disasters and awful things that happen as acts of God. And, and the church is much better because they put it under the heading of God's sovereignty. Something awful happens and, uh, you know, your loved one dies. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's the sovereignty of God. God just doing what he does. You know, God decides to just pick you know, this person or that person. And, and no, I, I, I think it's important for us to understand that a lot of times we're blaming God for something that he had nothing to do with. The Bible says that Satan is the destroyer. And therefore, I, I, you know, I'm not one of these pastors who will, who will tell you, well, God gives you cancer for a reason. He's trying to teach you something. 
Um, it, it, they're acts of God, all right, I agree. But they're not the acts of the God we worship. They're the acts of the God of this world. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world system. And unfortunately, he is going to be here until Adam's lease runs out. Because while the earth is the Lord's, as Psalm 24 4 verse 1 says, the lease is Satan's. Satan has a lease, so he has a right to be here in this world. And when you understand the existence of Satan and of evil, it actually explains a lot of the things that we see. Because Satan took Adam's authority through the fall um, uh, of Adam because you could say that Adam was the God of this world I'm not saying Adam was a God but I'm saying that he was given authority he was given rulership God said to him be fruitful and have dominion he gave him authority um, in the world but when Adam sinned when Adam and Eve sinned they subjugated themselves to Satan and Satan became the God of this world and um, Satan alludes to this in Luke chapter 4 when he appears to Jesus to tempt him he says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time he says all this authority and glory has been given to me I mean it wasn't God that gave it to Satan it was Adam um, uh, through Adam's sin and so, um, like I said, he's the God of this world, but Adam abdicated his responsibility when he sinned, and Satan became his master, um, taking the authority that was once Adam's. Luke 4 and verse 5, Then the devil led him on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Um, and he says, I will give you the authority of these kingdoms and their glory, for it, it has been relinquished to me. I think that's very good. It's the Berean Bible. And it says... Um, it has been relinquished to me, and I give it to everyone to whom I wish. So if you worship me, all will be yours. The word relinquish means to voluntarily cease to keep or claim to give up. When you sell your house, you relinquish all rights to that house. Well, this is what Adam did to his authority when he sinned. And so Satan is the one who is causing these accidents and natural disasters and plagues because he's a destroyer. John 8 and verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and uh, you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, Satan is a liar and a father of lies. And this is why when we're lying, we're speaking the devil's language. Okay, so he is a deceiver. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So the Bible says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't go around in a red spandex suit with you know pitchforks and horns in his head you know he comes to you as something holy something good and this is why we need discernment this is why we need to read the word of God and uh, this it, that, that's why it's essential to know what the Bible says because the devil is a uh, he's a deceiver you know God will never violate or contradict his own word God will never tell you to do something that's not consistent with the Bible and this is why we encourage you get into Bible school you will learn you will grow amen that's why, like I said, God will never contradict his word. Um, uh, but somebody might say, well, but God said it's okay for me to sleep with my girlfriend because, you know, we, we love God and, um, and, and, you know, we intend to be married anyway. 
It's like another Christian I spoke to years ago, and um, he was obviously a new Christian, but he said, you know, he said, every time I sleep with a woman, I always tell her about Jesus afterwards. I said, wow, man, you're a champion of the faith. Um, so, so and, and, and this is how we can, we can get all squirrely, but this is the thing. You know, the, the voice you hear in your head, that's not God. That's the devil telling you that it's okay to do these things. You see, the devil is a liar and a deceiver, and he's also a destroyer. And if you listen to him, he will take you down a pathway of destruction. You know, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 8, it says, The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand into a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. You see, the Bible says that when Satan is locked up um, uh, during the millennium, there will be no destruction because he is the source of all harm. So when you think about, you know, the violence, the hatred, the racism, the crime, the prejudice, the betrayal, the wars, the, the wickedness, he is behind it all. But this is why Jesus came. He came to destroy the destroyer. Acts 10 verse 38, uh, for this reason, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So the ministry of Jesus was about liberating people from Satan's power. 1 John 3 verse 8, for this reason the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You know, Psalm 61 prophesied about the ministry of Christ. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. You see, there's freedom for you in this place today. I know my voice isn't, isn't uh, up, up to what it normally is, but you know what? The, the, the power of God is here. The power of God is, is, is able to set you free from whatever is, is, is binding you. In Jesus' name, there's freedom in God's presence. You see, God wants to set you free from Satan's influence. You don't have to be a tormented in your mind anymore. Amen? Whatever that is, whether it's depression or anxiety or, 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 or fear or addiction, Jesus will set you free. Colossians 1.13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. You see, Satan has no dominion over a believer. Amen? And so, if you will understand what Jesus did, um, like I said, you may have areas of bondage or addiction, but you know what? The Lord can break those chains if you will simply believe that what Jesus did was enough. Amen. Isaiah 38 and 17, it says, the Bible in basic English, it says, See, in place of peace, my soul had bitter sorrow, but you have kept back my soul from the underworld, for you've put all of my sins out of your memory. The Holman Bible says, But your love has delivered me from the pit of destruction. You have thrown all of my sins behind your back. You see, God lovingly keeps us back from Satan. He lovingly delivers us from his influence. Revelation 12 and verse 10, it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh, you know, verse 10, uh, you know, addresses uh, the devil and it says, 
I heard a loud voice saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of a God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night and has been cast down. You know that Satan is an accuser. He's a slanderer. And you know, there are many believers who day and night are listening to his voice, accusing them, condemning them, telling them they're inadequate, telling them they're worthless, telling them they're never going to amount to anything. And this is why it's important we don't listen to him. You know, the devil plants a thought in your mind and then condemns you saying, what kind of a Christian are you to have a thought like that? And so you need to learn to identify the source of the thoughts that enter your mind and deal with them. You might say, well, I thought every thought that was in my mind came from me. No, that's not the case. The devil will plant thoughts in your mind. Just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean that God put it there. Amen. Or that you're meant to act on it. Amen. Because listen, some of the thoughts that come into our mind come straight from hell. And this is why both knowing and applying the scripture or the Bible to our life is key to winning the battle in our minds. Because there is a warfare on your mind, day and night, 24 hours. And many times if the devil can't attack you in your mind when you're awake, he's going to try and attack you while you're asleep. Amen. That's why again, Renew your mind with the word of God. Get into Bible school. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 and verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Amen. And so this is essential if you want to fulfill your destiny, because this is the problem. Some of you are free in your heart, but you're bound in your mind and you have to, you have a part to play and that is renewing your mind with the word of God. So Ephesians 4 says, neither give place to the devil. Determine to, to not give place to the devil in your mind or your marriage in 2022. You see, True Christ, we are, uh, you know, true Christ, we are free from sin, we are free from Satan, and lastly, give me five minutes, and we'll finish, we are free from sickness. Exodus 15, 26, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. You know, I make no apologies for believing that God wants you well. Healing belongs to you as a child of God. Remember, Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But I've come, what? That you might have life and have it more abundantly. I, I, let me simply propose to you, you can't have life abundantly if you're dying of cancer. You can't have life abundantly if you're, you know, on medication for depression. Tablets to get out of bed and tablets to go to sleep at night. That's not the way God intended us to live. I came that you would have life and have it more abundantly. You can't have life abundantly if you're not healthy. God wants you healthy. He wants you well. He wants you, Psalm 91 verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy you. Amen. And so he's not talking about, you know, a miserable life where you're sick and you're oppressed and you're whatever. No, let me say this. It is always God's will to heal. No exceptions. Yeah, but I know somebody who, let me say this. Our faith is not based on what somebody somewhere experienced. Our faith is based on what God's word says. And God's word says he wants you well. God's word says he wants you well. No exceptions. 
He does not give you cancer to teach you a lesson. And if a pastor or preacher has told you that, they are in error. It is not consistent with what the word of God says. Amen? That is a lie from hell. And unfortunately, it's been embraced by many believers and there are many ministers who, who say that, you know, that, oh, well, you know, um, God gives you things to teach you a lesson. I'm a father. I would never take my little ch child's hand and put it against a hot stove to teach them a lesson. And I'm a, I'm a flawed, imperfect human being. But you know what? I thank God for his grace. But how much more would your father in heaven? He loves us. He wants you well. Get that settled in your spirit. Yes, you may be sick. You may have issues physically. But you know what? Believe to see that wholeness manifested in your life in Jesus' name. But you may say, well, why is there sickness then? We live in a fallen world. Satan still has a lease on this earth to a degree. But we've been redeemed from that. Amen. We've been redeemed from Satan. We've been redeemed from sickness. But, you know, we, we are free. But the truth is you're not free as long as you're bound by sickness and disease. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about, surely he's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. And you need to claim that by faith, and I'm standing here today, and I know I've had a little bit of a, a cough, but a lot of that is to do with the dust, but irrespective of, of whether or not we, you know, we're 100%, we can claim and believe for that divine health in our bodies in Jesus' name. Why? Because we've been redeemed from sickness. You know, Mark chapter 3, Jesus said, a house divided against itself will not stand. You see, God isn't the source of, of, of sickness. You see, if Jesus was healing, but it was God who made them sick in the first place, then it would appear that Jesus is actually working against God. But clearly, Jesus was doing the will of God. He was doing God's work and doing God's will. John 14, 31 in the Brian, but I do exactly what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, divine health is our covenant blood-bought right, and we must therefore resist sickness the way we would resist sin. Because both of them come from hell. Now, can you cooperate with God by exercising, by eating well, and by fasting? Yes. Thank you for that one amen. Divine health is always far better than divine healing. It's wonderful when God touches us and heals us. But you know what? Divine health is better than divine healing. What I mean is, it's better to not get sick in the first place than to have to reach out and receive healing. It's better to walk in faith than to need a miracle. And sadly, many believers die before their time because they neglect their body by not exercising and by overeating. You see, you're not only a steward of your time and your talent and your resources, you're also a steward of your body, so you need to look after it. That's why you need to get adequate rest, amen? You need to get exercise, fresh air. You need to eat healthy. You need to cut out that junk food. You should drink water, amen, get rid of the coffee, and fast regularly, okay? You don't have to fast for days at a time, just fast a meal or fast a day, it won't kill you, you know, drink water, but it's important to point out, also, and I want to point this out after these last two years, it's important to understand, vaccination doesn't purchase immortality for you, amen, nor does it purchase for you divine health. 
Whether or not you've chosen to be vaccinated is entirely your decision, but you know what, you're missing the point, you know, because when you see people that are obese and they're not looking after themselves and, and, and they somehow think by getting an injection they somehow become immortal, I think that's, that's um, is something that governments have really neglected to emphasize to people, the importance of taking vitamins, getting exercise, eating well and look after, looking after your body, okay? Let me say this, there's no easy way to get into shape, but it's worth the pain. Uh, Cuss the matter. If the body is soft and flabby, perhaps the mind is getting that way too. Dieting is an act of discipline. Have you ever heard of Cuss the matter? Well, he was the boxing manager and trainer of Mike Tyson, Floyd Patterson, and Jose Torres. And each of those uh, men were all inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. So he trained some really, really successful fighters. And let me read it again. If the, bob, if the body is soft and flabby, perhaps the mind is getting that way. Dieting is an act of discipline. You know, this same man took Mike Tyson out of a juvenile uh, detention center and, and brought him into his own home to live with him. Uh, so again, I think there's a tremendous point there. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. Paul understood there is no crown without the cross. He recognized the need for discipline, that he would run his race. And, and so we need to be disciplined in our diet, whether that is physically or mentally, or spiritually, because you are what you eat. Let me say this, some of you are sick because of the sick things you are watching on Netflix or online. It's manifesting in you physically, but it's what you're feeding on. You see somebody that feeds on junk food all the time, you know what it manifests in their skin, in their body? Well, you know, some of you need to change your diet. You need to stop watching that stuff. Amen. I know it is. You see, God is a healer, but he expects you to use wisdom as well. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a guy one time came up to me after church. He said, he said well, brother, I want you to lay hands on me that I lose weight. I said, I don't need to pray. I can tell you what to do. Don't go to KFC after church. Stop shoving all of that crap down your gullet. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. But fast food, and I know this is, as a generation, we're addicted to sugar, and it's poison. You need to cut out sugar. Smoking alcohol, drugs, all of those things can put you into an early grave. And I would include worry in that. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. You know that worry can cause you to die young. Amen. Jesus said, do not worry about your life. So don't worry. Be healthy and be happy. Amen. Because many sicknesses are caused by worry and stress. Okay, so learn to trust God and rejoice. I know I've gone way over time, but this is important. 
Proverbs 17.33, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Some of you will be healthier if you would learn to laugh more. Some of you look like you're a funeral director. <laughs> Just need to smile more. Walk into your job with a smile on your face, but I hate my job. Well, praise God you have one. <laughs> but I hate my husband. But if you smile, maybe he'd be happier as well. <laughs> the New American Standard, a joyful heart is good medicine. Because joy is a choice, as is despair, as is depression and negativity. And you know what? It will affect your body. You know, Proverbs 4 and verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are alive to those that find them and health to all their flesh. How about if we were as diligent in both reading and declaring God's word on a daily basis as some of you are in checking daily COVID numbers, are in checking your Facebook or Instagram account, are in tuning into the, nine, into the horror show formerly known as the 9 p.m. news. I'm just saying if we're as consistent in feeding on the word of God because, you know, the reality is, you know, some of you never have your phone out of your hand. But much of what you're feeding on is either feeding your fears or it's feeding your ego. Amen? Let's get back into the Word of God because the Bible is medicine to our soul. It will minister healing and restoration and wholeness as the worship group come forward. You know, a friend of mine recently had COVID. And he said to me, John, he said, I thought, I honestly thought I was going to die. But he kept saying this, COVID... You're in the wrong body. You have to leave. The blood of Jesus is against you. So we have to learn to use our voice. Jesus said in Mark 11, you will have what you say. You know, these last two weeks, I've just done this series because I really believe so strongly God wants us to walk in freedom.